0: Daniel Fagella, and you're listening to the AI and Business Podcast. It's Tuesday, so those of you who are longtime listeners are well aware of the topic du jour. We're going to be talking about use cases. Every single Tuesday, we cover AI use cases here on the show, and we like to mix it up between industries. This week, we're going to be talking about banking, more specifically, mortgage. For any of you who have bought a home or know someone who has, you're aware that the mortgage process is very paperwork-heavy. It's very time-consuming. It's very clunky. Often, you know, there's a hundred things to fill out, and there's a bajillion pages that need to get printed out. And, of course, on the bank side, they need to manage all of those workflows. They need to be able to search and find all of those documents. And there's a lot of junctures in those clunky workflows where artificial intelligence might be able to speed things up. So when it comes to kind of what we call white-collar automation – or business process automation, or document search and discovery, there's a tremendous amount of opportunity in this particular pocket of financial services, and our guest this week knows a lot about just that. Chris Lorang worked in the mortgage space before becoming a product manager for Iron Mountain. Iron Mountain is a $4 billion storage company who, a few years back, released a product called Insight for document search and discovery, and they work a lot in financial services. And so Chris is going to explore some of the junctures and workflows where AI can make an impact. On these Tuesday episodes, we like to talk about what the workflow looked like before AI and what it looked like afterwards to help you imagine how to transform your own workflow. So whether you're in mortgage or not, I hope this will be a useful analogy and a useful set of examples that we go through today. And if you're interested in AI and financial services, I'll say this much. Financial services, all things being said, is a bit farther along than other large industries. So if we look at manufacturing on the whole, if we look at brick-and-mortar retail even on the whole, if we look at logistics and supply chain on the whole, they are generally farther behind in machine learning adoption than the enterprise world of financial services. And so if you're interested in learning more about financial services use cases, check out our other podcast. It's called the AI and Financial Services Podcast. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, find it on Spotify, on SoundCloud. Um, and there, every single month, we go into unique use cases and making the business case topics related just to financial services so if you work in Finserve or if you just want to see what one of the fastest moving enterprise spaces is doing in terms of ai transformation that's a show entirely about that i would really encourage you to subscribe it would mean a lot to us and feel free to let us know about what you think about that show by popping me a note on linkedin or dropping us a review on apple Podcasts. but that's all this episode is brought to you by iron mountain Without further ado, we're going to fly directly into the show. This is Chris Lorang with Iron Mountain here on the AI and Business Podcast. So, Chris, today we're going to be talking about some of the opportunities for artificial intelligence in the mortgage process. Obviously, one of the more paperwork heavy processes in in the financial services space, sort of notoriously so. Before we get into AI, what I like to do is kind of paint the picture of what the process is now, and then we talk about those junctures where AI can layer value. Can you let us know, after a mortgage closes, because I know that's what you're most familiar with there at Iron Mountain, what has to happen in terms of paperwork and processes in the back end of the, the institution?
1: Sure. So as many of the listeners probably know, a lot of the front end of the process in mortgage is, is heavily automated today. There's a lot of, you can, you can get a mortgage on your phone, you can upload documents on your phone, your computer, et cetera. But when it gets to the closing process, as you mentioned, everything essentially papers out, meaning you have to print all of the documents and then you have to go in sometimes to an office and sign those documents with ink signatures, and then those papers have to be sent back to the lender. Now, of course, in this uh, pandemic environment, uh, a lot of these processes have been altered. A lot of notaries will come to your house, so you can ink sign things. I mean, there's even a little bit of remote online notarization, that sort of thing. But for the most part, a lot of mortgages are still closed using wet ink signatures on paper documents. So, really, that process, once it gets back to the bank, it enters what they call a post-closing team or department. In that department... They have to look at each of the individual documents to make sure all of the data points are accurate, to make sure, for example, the rate on the note agrees with the system and the rate it was locked at. It has to make sure that everyone signed every document, that it was notarized in all the right places, every document is present, that is expected as it reaches the investor, they expect certain documents. So it's really just a lot of manual intensive labor and a lot of stare and compare activities. So they're staring at their screen, verifying data appears on the document.
0: Stare and compare, huh? Um, So so the bulk of this is really just in-depth fact-checking for an unfortunately still paper ecosystem, I wonder how long it'll take for it to not be that way, but it sounds like that's a big part of it. You know, you mentioned you know, do the rates match? Did people sign things properly? Is there anything else that's involved in this? Stare and compare. I, I imagine somebody just a individual human being with a you know a visor on and and a lamp, just just <laughs> pulling out these two, going to page twenty, going to page eighteen, making sure these things match. Going to page five, going to page six, making sure these things match. Is it that kind of a hyper monotonous workflow where there's just a guy named Steve who just sits down and he puts on his visor for the day, because that's his life, and just does that? Or are there multiple people that are involved in different parts of these agreements? Um, what, what's these these various handoffs kind of look like?
1: So there's typically a, you know, a department that receives it. Now, now, different lenders are at various stages of uh, their digital transformation. So yep. it may be that these documents will come in and they're scanned into their ECM system. And then that department gets notification that that file has been scanned. So yes, Steve could be essentially there looking at a stack of files on his desk that he has to get through that day. Or he could be looking at his queue in the EM system, looking at a bunch of images he has to get through and and still that stare and compare activity on like two screens. So yes, it's, it's that process. It's typically a team of people. And that team, you know, could be really, really busy, and have a stack of work or depending on volume, they could be, you know, pretty inactive. So there's always that, you know, that resource constraint and then that management you have to do as a lender as well. So in in these times today with rates so low, there's a ton of refinance volume. So there needs to be a room full of Steve's to be able to process all these documents where, you know, as rates get higher, as you get into like the holidays, typically in the lower transaction time, you know, that room full of Steve's may not be as busy.
0: Yeah. Steve's are, are, they're they're all, uh, they're crowding the, now now you got to worry about how many foosball tables you have. Do you have enough foosball tables when the Steve's have nothing to do? Um, So (laughs) yeah. And and pardon anybody out there named Steve, I use you constantly as a representative example of a human being doing a process. I don't mean to do that, but okay. So this is really helpful just as a general picture of where things are. Stare and compare. We've got different volumes for different seasonality. Some folks have part of the process digitized and they notify different squads. Other folks might just put the stack on one person's desk and that person is manually going through. But in in either case, we've got to verify that all the the dots line up because I take it if we don't, there's uh, regulatory concerns, there's legal concerns, and we we just wouldn't be able to to feel confident lending this person what,
1: what we agreed to. Correct. And, and there's even financial concerns. As you sell these loans on the secondary market, certain investors have guidelines that you have to meet when you sell them a loan. So uh, part of that post-closing process is to ensure all of the documents that that investor requires and, and all the signatures and so forth that is required within that package uh, is accurate and that it, it meets their guidelines. So if you were happen to sell a loan to an investor and that investor you know, audits that sale, as they tend to do, right? When you buy a loan, uh, you know, there could be buybacks that are involved. Uh, um, what essentially that is, is an investor could say, hey, this loan doesn't meet our guidelines, you have to buy it back lender. So that's money out of that person's pocket or that lender's pocket uh, because they didn't do that audit accurately.
0: Okay, okay. Yeah, this, this takes us to kind of 2008 land sort of stuff. Uh, Sort of, yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. When you you talk about reselling mortgages and loans, and I'm certainly not from the industry, but those of us tertiarily familiar with the last uh, crash are, I guess, aware of the reason why there might be some regulations around that being pretty stringent. What are we actually selling and offering here? So, okay, that makes sense. Now, I guess we can talk about where AI fits into the mix. So, we've got a manual process, varied levels of digital transformation between companies, maybe between departments of companies. Maybe some's digitized, some isn't. It might be a team of people working on different parts of the agreement. It might be one person. But no matter what, there's a lot of dots to have to connect around. Who's agreed to this? What have we agreed to sell them? Are these terms based on the standards that we, we told the sales folks they needed to be on in the first place for us to be able to actually underwrite this thing? Whatever those stipulations are, you know, stare and compare. So that's a lot of manual. Where do we start to find AIs fit in all of these processes?
1: So where we start to find a good fit for AI and ML uh, technology is in the actual, uh, so you, let's assume that documents are digitized at this point. So once you have a digitized image, uh, you can take that image and uh, classify it and extract data from that e- using AI and ML. So once you classify that image, you know then it can be easily sent to your ECM system, classified in, in the right categories, uh, so you don't have to manually go back and do that. But even further down, uh, once you extract that data, that AI can start to learn what type of loan it is. So once it learns, you know that it's a fixed-rate loan, that it's a condominium, uh, what kind of property it is that? It's in a certain state. It can start to look, if you will, for the required documents for that particular state or that particular loan program or that particular property type. Instead of having a person sitting there going, okay, this this loan is in Pennsylvania, it's a fixed rate loan, it's a condominium, I need to look for these 10 different documents because of those characteristics of the loan, AI starts to learn that. And, And then again, instead of having someone do that stare and compare activity, they're essentially maybe looking at some fallout from that AI and ML process, meaning, okay, AI and ML has analyzed that particular loan record, but it's, Noticed that this particular document is missing because it's a Pennsylvania required document, and it's not in the package. So that person then is doing, you know, some more high-level activity. Maybe they have to reach out to the borrower. Maybe they have to reach out to the settlement agent, the closer, uh, and say, "Hey, we need this document." So they're able to do a little more high-value activity than that stare and compare activity.
0: Yeah, there's a couple analogies that come to mind, Chris, and I want to see if these click for you because I really want this to click for everybody listening in, whether they're in mortgage. Or not, and I know we have a lot of financial services folks tuned in, but um, I'm going to try to try to make this idea click and make sure I'm following you. As you bring this up, part of me thinks that okay, in some circumstances, as you know, lending company X who does mortgages, in some of those cases, when these things come in the front door as paper or or, or as a scanned doc, they've already got that appended label that says this is a condominium, this is a whatever. So maybe some some folks are already at that labeled phase and then this application might not apply to them. But probably a lot of companies, they aren't. They're, they just come in as a raw file. Somebody decides what type of doc and then someone says, okay, because it's a condo, because it's within this price rate, or whatever the hell the the, the guidelines are. Now we need to follow this 30 point checklist. If it's a multifamily home and it's in this kind of area, now we need to follow this kind of guideline. So it sounds like the distinguishing factor between what what kind of a of a mortgage is this? Sometimes maybe companies already have that handled, but some don't. And for that reason, we might be able to train a system so when it plops it on the on the human screen, instead of it just being, "Hey, figure out what this is and what you need to check," it'll say, "Hi, this is a condo, and you know, here's your six check boxes already pulled up because I'm kind of prompting you to do what you need to do for this workflow already, so you don't have to think about the light stuff." Am I am I tracking here, Chris?
1: yeah i think you are dan and a good point there's there's various levels of implementing this type of technology so i think w- at least w- a lot of what i've seen is is those companies that do the imaging they've simply put the whole closing package in and image the whole file and it comes out so to speak, is at the other end is a a large PDF file with all the documents in there. So you can't tell what documents are in there and which ones aren't. So
0: nobody labels it when when it's getting scanned, what you're getting at. The scanning process is not context-aware. The scanning process is not
1: appending some kind of label to it. That just has to happen after the fact. That's correct. And and, you know, in the past, that PDF file would go straight into their enterprise content management ECM system, and then it would be labeled as like the loan number 123456789. So you'd have to find that loan record in your system, pull it up, and then you'd have to scroll through, let's say 300 pages in a PDF file to find the document you're looking for if you had to go back and look at it later. But with the AI and ML technology, we take that PDF file in and Some in the industry call that a blob file. Uh, Take that (laughs) in and and we'll uh, split that out into individual files. So you can go into a record and say, I need to look at the mortgage. I need to look at the note. I need to look at the loan estimate. Whatever the document you need to look at, it's there. It's labeled. It's classified. So you can find it quickly and not have to dig through a 300-page PDF file.
0: Okay. So so part of what we're getting at here is that AI can label what kind of mortgage this is, but can also kind of set the page breaks to what the different sections are. So if you say, you know, bring me to the note or bring me to everywhere that has a signature or bring me to, it'll be able to sort of label whatever those pages or those sections of the the blob file are so that humans can navigate it a little bit more swiftly.
1: Correct. And it's not so much of a bookmark within a single PDF. I would look at it as more as like splitting it out to it. It's Got it. Breaking breaking apart. the doc into yeah, multiple pieces. Apart, yes. Okay, cool. Correct. So all
0: right, makes sense. So The analogies that come to mind immediately, Chris, are you know, right now, chatbot conversation, for example, is not really going to be replacing robust, high context human conversations anytime soon. Similarly, AI may not have the authority to do all the double and triple checking to underwrite, you know, a million dollar mortgage or whatever, uh, or audit a million dollar mortgage. But uh, what, what some conversational systems can do is they can at least label the conversation as this is a refund request. This is a product inquiry about product X. This is a delivery issue. This is a, and then they can route it to the right human. It sounds like similarly, we're able to do the labeling on the front end so that the human doesn't have to say, what is on my plate? They say, oh, a condo is on my plate. Boom, here it is. And then here's my prompt for what I need to do.
1: Correct. Yeah, that's certainly probably what I would call the the first level of being able to use that AI and ML technology. Uh, Looking further ahead or for a more advanced system, you could take that data that you've extracted from the document using AI and ML technology and place that into a rules engine. And that rules engine that is built out to have perhaps the guidelines of the investor or your own internal policies or governmental policies around certain regulations. So then you take that data and you can analyze that data and you can perform some of those uh, standard tasks that a person would. you know, Does the rate on the note match the rate on the mortgage? And having someone do the stare and compare, you can actually take that data that's been extracted and do a complete audit of the file.
0: Okay, got it. And so what I would imagine would be necessary here is we would need to, at least on some level, we'd need to train the system on the particular way that we format these particular docs. Because I can imagine for every bank or even different departments within a bank, the exact place where people sign X and the exact place where people list how much was Y in terms of a cost might be formatted differently. So in order to actually do that matching and give it the green check mark, we would need a lot of instances of of whatever document format we have and then train an AI system to really, really, really succinctly and reliably extract the right set of numbers from page somewhere between twenty-five and thirty-five versus like most of the time the right number. So so it it seems as though there's some some bespokeness here to the client's workflow, the paperwork format that this particular workflow uses. But if we have enough instances, then we can potentially, you know, match two items on different pages. Let me know if, if that sounds accurate to you.
1: Yeah, that does sound accurate. And certainly, you know, having those trained ML models, machine learning models, to be able to recognize those different formats of the document within the mortgage industry would be key. Some are more standard than others in the industry. If you look at the mortgage and the note and, and some of the more uh, prescriptive documents that come from uh, governmental regulations, those look very similar from one letter to another depending on the system they use to generate them, but they, they look very similar. Other ones are not. Got it. So it's those I think where you can get those trained models up and it can recognize that it's, it, it's that type of document.
0: Understood. Okay. And and I imagine the way that this would work from the user's perspective. So I'm, I'm, I always like to have people kind of, when they're listening to the podcast, be able to close their eyes and see the workflow play out the way that I kind of imagine this is the auditing person might have a set of six checkbox, maybe it's 16 checkboxes on the right hand side of their document, because they know that this is a condominium, you know, mortgage or something. And I have kind of a twofold guess. Number one, when the system says, hi, this is a condominium mortgage. If that's wrong, the human can relabel it and potentially use that as feedback for the system. Also, if the machine already has, so let's say you have 16 checkboxes on the right, if it already has a blue check or a green check next to three of those because it's validated them, then the human probably goes in and, and makes sure maybe that, that the machine actually was right in putting that green checkbox and, and maybe is able to correct the system if one of those assumptions was was off in some sense. My guess is that there's a bit of a loop here in terms of feeding the system. Because this, this thing is presuming, here's the type of doc. It's presuming, hey, these two bits of information match. But maybe sometimes we, we need to educate it. What's that part of the workflow look like?
1: So typically what you'll find in, in a lot of AI ML systems is the ability to set some sort of confidence score. Yep. And now what does that mean? So if you look at a document, you, know, you could set the confidence score at, let's say, 90%. Well, then if the system goes through it as it analyzes the document, it will also say, you know, I'm about, let's say, 65% sure certain that this is a note. So that would create what we would call, at least at Iron Mountain, an exception. So that exception has to be viewed by a human in the loop, a human that looks at a, a queue that says the system thought. You know, was 65% sure this was a note, but we've set the threshold that it has to be 90% sure before it, a human doesn't have to look at it. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to show present this to a human. So the, the person, the auditor, we'll go back to Steve, looks at that document and says, yep, yeah, system, you were correct, marked it. And then the system, as you said, that goes back into the learning or the knowledge of the system itself. So maybe next time it's 70% accurate, 80, you know, as it sees this document again and again and again and again. And eventually, the thought is that there would be so few exceptions that it would just be those oddball documents or maybe a document that was a bad image uh, that would fall out of the process. And and most of them would be straight through and a person would never have to look at them.
0: Yeah, that would be the goal. The goal, I guess, would be to to pick... And Now, the the challenge for you guys running a, a product company here, an AI product company, is what are those junctures of the workflow that we think we actually can get to that point with, right? Because there might be some parts of the workflow where it's like, wow, it would take a long time to make it so that most of the time a human doesn't have to look at this. But then there's other parts where it's like, hey... We might actually be able to get there. So you, you talked about categorizing what type of mortgage it is. It sounds like that's one that you folks have honed in on. There's certain kinds of data validation from page X to page Y. That's one that you folks have honed in on. It sounds like from the perspective of, of an AI company, um, you guys have had to really think through which of these do we think can get to a really high level of automatedness and then build your systems and your offerings kind of around that? Because obviously not everything can be, can be automated.
1: Correct. Yeah, for sure. You know, obviously the lowest hanging fruit are some of the documents that are in every mortgage loan, right? A a mortgage or a security instrument, a deed of trust, a, a note, a closing disclosure, a loan estimate, those documents that are present in every loan package. Obviously, we have more of those and we're able to train the system on every package we process, yeah. right? So, we get those models are built up and a little more robust than, than some other ones that if you look into New York, they have a lot of co-op loans and SEMA loans, which I won't get into what those are, but there's less volume of those. So, those may take a little longer to train those models to understand that loan and understand those documents.
0: Yeah. And, and I think people underestimate the challenge that product companies face. You've got to look at what's the value of automating this workflow to the client? What is the viability of us being able to automate this to a degree that we think would be satisfactory to the client? And then maybe what's the data volume we're working with to tell us if we really think... This is an area of strength for us versus an area where we just don't have enough volume to actually make those kind of improvements. And you've got to look through that whole pachinko machine and then find those pinpoints where you can say, hey, here's you know a spot that we think matters to the client that we can handle and that we have the data volumes to do. And then you've got to double down and build out kind of solutions for that.
1: Right, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, you have to look at the process where you're going to be able to bring the most value to the customers, where you're going to be able to, you know, really address some of their key pain points and make them more profitable and efficient, you know, and ultimately to offer a better customer experience for their customers.
0: Yeah, Uh, yeah. Pachinko machine, did you say? (laughs) Pachinko machine,
1: Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> That's an old reference my friend had one of those in his basement.
0: I use the analogy a lot. For better or for worse, I think sometimes yeah. it's not the best analogy, but you know, I've only got so many in the can. So, uh so all right. Yeah, I think a lot of people underestimate how challenging it is to really decide and build out an AI product. Obviously, you guys are already working with so many giant financial institutions, you, you know, you you have your hands on a good amount of docs here, but still being able to pick those areas of value is is interesting. So it's cool to get your perspective on where are those junctures where where we can start that automation. And it sounds like, you know, what kind of doc is it in the first place? But then also some of the individual stare and compares. If we can train a system, if we have the right volumes, we can actually just have a green checkbox that somebody doesn't have to look at because we can we can gauge a confidence interval and hopefully make the whole process run smoother. And you talked about improving the customer experience. Maybe we can we can end on that. You know, when I think about what is the value of this to a business, the things that come immediately to mind are, well, the people maybe have to do a little bit less monotonous stare and compare. Maybe some of that stuff is just done for them by the time they get the doc in the first place and they're doing maybe some of the more, either the challenging stare and compare or the things that involve some business context and some more strategic thinking. Um, so maybe that's a kind of an employee benefit. There seems to be a value here for the throughput, presuming we could speed things up. That's also maybe for the business itself and their own efficiencies. But maybe there's also a speed to having this mortgage all the way close, and maybe clients would appreciate that. Those are the three things that come to mind for me when you guys think about the benefits and kind of who's benefiting from, from these processes being sort of embedded with AI in the right way. How do you like to articulate it?
1: I think you've hit them, actually, all three of them that we think of as well. So you think of the, the lender being able to scale. We talked about that earlier, having a room full of Steves, one uh, volume is high, and then maybe one Steve, one volume is low. You know, They have to go through that whole furloughing process, I'll call it, as their volume increases and decreases, or maybe just a reallocation of assets. So we think of you know, being able to scale. Maybe you only need one or two Steves and, a, and some Stephanies in the room to be able to uh, handle all of, the, all of the volume, regardless if it's 10,000 loans a month or 1,000 loans a month because they're just managing the exception process throughout the uh, the automated system. And then you look, most importantly, probably is the customer perspective. So if you go and close a loan, and then you know two months later, by the time your lender gets through the process and, and the post-closing process, and you've already made your first mortgage payment, and they come back to you saying, hey, I need this document signed. You're like, what do you mean you need this document signed? I closed two months ago. Why are you coming back to me now? This is really annoying to me. You know, sometimes customers will be like, I'm not signing it. And then you have to go back to them again. And that's just, that kind of process is is very frustrating to borrowers. And and they're likely, especially nowadays, when they have so many options, not to come back to you for any other financial transactions. Maybe if they upgrade their house or refinance in the future, maybe that annoyed them enough. So um, if you're able to get back to them with that missing document, you know, within a day or two, perhaps after the loan closes, that's probably, you know, not quite as annoying, right? Because you're like, oh, we missed this document. We apologize, you know, could you just sign it? Sure, whatever, send it back. So it's really trying to get to that good customer experience as well as, you know, saving the lender some money per transaction. You know, having a room full of Steve's is very expensive. Yep. Uh, managing yeah. those people, hiring them, laying them all. You got to get foosball um, tables for everybody. Right, foosball I mean, tables, come on, you know, it's crazy. Pizza days, you know, yep, yep. real estate, you need a room for them. You need parking, et cetera, et cetera. Where if you just have this AI ML technology, you implement it once, it learns, you have these high value employees that are sitting there processing the exceptions. You only need one foosball table for those two.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah, I, I think the you know common value around AI products is sort of can we scale without scaling headcount? certainly a value prop there. Again, Steves Steves aren't cheap and especially when volumes are fluctuating, you know, we might have a rooms full of folks who really have very little to do for an entire season and that might not be the the financially best best call we can make. So cool. So, for those of you who've listened to many of our podcasts in the past, speaking to you listeners now, you know that we like to talk about here in our Tuesday use case episodes, we look at what's the business process before, what is it afterwards, and also what's the business value? Why does this matter? Why are we working on this problem? And Chris, I think we've hit all three of those today. So I really appreciate you being able to share your expertise with us and join us today on the show.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me, Dan. I really enjoyed it.
0: So that's all for this episode of the AI and Business Podcast. I hope you enjoyed some of the breakdown. This format of before and after is actually something that came from a listener. So a lot of the comments that I get on LinkedIn or in our reviews on Apple Podcasts are what inform what we do here in the show. And I hope that this format reflects what you're interested in because it came from someone exactly like you. So if you like the show, feel free to drop us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're interested in joining the show, in other words, if you'd like to sponsor an episode like Iron Mountain did today, if you want to understand our criteria for screening guests, screening AI products and use cases, and having folks on the program, you can learn more about our creative services and in reaching the Emerge audience at emerj.com slash ad1. That's A-D like advertise and then the number one, emerj.com ad1. And you can learn more about uh, our various programs and how you might be able to be on the program as well if you want to reach the Emerge audience. That's all for this episode. Catch us for Thursday for our Making the Business Case episode, and I look forward to seeing you here.